This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of Make America Grape Again. I'm your host, Cody, the Wine Monk, CSW. And I'm not. Gary has made a long-awaited return, and I have passed the CSW exam with colors. They aren't flying, but they're colors. Yeah, you passed that by the skin of your teeth, dude. Speaking of the skin of the teeth, today we are doing the 2016 Dry Riesling from Empire Estate in the Finger Lakes, New York, AVA. Hector, New York. The Finger Lakes are uh, kind of the main area in the eastern U.S., and has made New York, I think, number four in terms of wine production in the entire U.S. But unlike California or Oregon or Washington, they kind of don't export much. So I want to thank uh, my friend Nicole Silvestri for donating this bottle to the cause. Let's get cracking. Let's do this. Now Riesling, as you probably already know, or maybe you don't know, originally comes from Germany. It's probably the most common grape varietal in Germany, and it's also among the most ancient, because it has a shit ton of synonyms. Probably originated specifically in the Rheingrau, northern bank of the Rhine in Germany. The oldest mention is said to be in a document from the 3rd of March in 1435. There is a lot of discussion on the etymology of Riesling, but uh, we have our own pet theory that we'll get into in a moment. According to the Big Red Wine Book, by, edited by Genesis Robinson et al., probably comes from uh, the German phrase Riesen, uh, or Riesan in Old German, meaning to split originally, then later to make an incision, to carve, or to engrave, to tear, or to write. No explanation is provided for this rather strange etymology, but perhaps the earliest meaning to split could be a reference to the way the berries split between the fingers similar to the use of the syndrome Fendant for Chasselas. Apparently it also could be related to the grape's tendency for Miller-Andridge, which is... remind me which fungus that is? Or no, that's not a fungus, that's just wind damage in the flowers. I believe so. Yeah, because apparently it's like making a decision in the flowers, but that's like a bullshit etymology if I've ever fucking heard one. <laughs> Agreed. So this is the Finger Lakes AVA, we'll get to that in a moment, but let's talk about this wine, because holy acidity, Batman! This is super, super crisp, super, super acidic, lively, light, just really gets your mouth watering. Fantastic. Yeah, it's got this, and on the nose too, it's just, again, you can almost smell that acidity. It tastes like... Super underripe green apples that will pucker you up bad. Like you were saying earlier, it smells like the apples that you're thinking about using into a pie, but you're, you're not quite sure and you want to get them a little bit riper. Exactly. Yeah, there's no Riesling for us not to enjoy this wine. Ha, 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 ha. What can I say? Gavritz Germania, I hardly know her. Sorry, wrong grape. Yeah, I know, but... I don't know that we'll ever get a chance to look at a Gewürztraminer in this podcast, so I might as well give out the pun now while I can. I don't know. I've had some from the East. 
I mean, I had one from Rhode Island eons ago that I drank side by side with Arizona and all sauce. All sauce? All sauce? All sauce. All of the sauce. All of the sauce. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it was an Alsatian Gewürztraminer, and that was a fun comparison. But right now, the only ones I have in my stash from Rhode Island are red. Womp womp. But Riesling was brought to the Finger Lakes area, which is probably the oldest AVA in... It's not the oldest wine region, technically, in New York, but it is the oldest AVA in New York. Back in the day, the Pleasant Valley Wine Company was winning awards in Europe in 1867-1873, but competition from California, phylloxera, and prohibition, of course, uh, killed off the industry there by and large. But at the time, after World War II, when soldiers came back apparently developing a taste for drier wines, they weren't really able to grow much Vitis vinifera. But a major change occurred with Konstantin Frank, who was a Ukrainian immigrant with a PhD in plant science, and started the Geneva Experiment Station in 1951. And he figured out that because he had planted lots of Vitis vinifera in Ukraine, apparently, which is, you know, about the same climate, he figured that it could be grown in the new in the Finger Lakes if it was planted onto the right rootstock, which we've had this talk before in the Massachusetts episode with the Cinco case, which, oh, here it comes up again. <laughs> uh, that's going to be like a flagship wine for this podcast by accident, I guess. Right. But anyway, he tried this and started this movement in 1962 with uh, Vinifera Wine Cellars in Hammondsport. And Riesling was one of the varietals that he toyed with. And it just boomed after that. As of 2008, according to the Wikipedia article, and obviously this is a number that has changed now, there are 103 wineries in the Finger Lakes. So in that area of the Finger Lakes, there are as many vineyards as there are in Arizona. In terms of acreage, we're looking at 11,000 acres. So about 11 times the size of Arizona's plantings. That's pretty damn huge. There are two sub-regions of the Finger Lakes AVA. The Cayuga Lake AVA and the Seneca Lake AVA. Judging by the fact this doesn't list either of them, it's in the general AVA. It may well be a blend of Riesling from both. But this is a lot of fun. It is. And seeing as how it's currently hot as balls outside, it makes me want to fire up the grill and cook something and drink this. Yeah, this with like German-style bratwurst and sauerkraut would be phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is like... Either summertime cookout or your January 1st wine that you pair with all of the pork and sauerkraut and bratwurst that you have for New Year's if you're of a German background like I am a little bit. Or at least enough of my family is to where that's kind of our New Year's thingamabobber. Tradition. That's the word we're looking for. Tradition. I've probably got more German in my heritage than you do, and I've never done that before, and it sounds amazing. You should. You yes. should do it. Do it. January 1st this year. We should have a Riesling party. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's no Riesling not to. I mean, I've already used that, but... But nice it works. Slapper. But it worked. On the nose, it also has a little bit of a floral character, but it is mostly hidden by all of those. But it does have a few additional notes. Like, now that it's opening up, I'm getting a little bit more, like, almost honeydew melon character and a little bit of um, rose petals. They're not very... You know, bright and sudden, but it is definitely there. Certainly mellowing as it's exposed to air. It's not so much like, oh shit, this is acidic. It's just like, oh, this is lovely. 
Yeah, it's now becoming more and more balanced as it opens up. Because when we first opened it up, like, holy hell, it was like going back to the supposed etymologies of Riesling. My theory is that it does come from to cut or to engrave or to tear, but it refers to the acidity of this grape on the tongue because that's like almost a knife of acidity just being scraped through your tongue, uh, at least with this one. And I've had that in some German Rieslings too. If tannins are like taking sandpaper to your teeth, acidity is certainly like taking a knife to your tongue. Which is, I think, where the... It's the right word and the right connection, but it's the wrong connection that people are making, I think, in terms of etymology for this grape. And this is not sweet at all, either. There is no residual sugar in this wine. There's not even anything that fools you into thinking it has residual sugar in this wine. Yeah, and I've been worried about this wine since it was given to me because, again, you know, the tradition in the East Coast is to do a lot of back weaning or cut off fermentation at a certain point to leave residual sugar. And, and admittedly, that's a tradition in parts of Germany, too, so it wouldn't be unheard of for Riesling. But uh, the Germans do it well, and most American winemakers don't seem to do it as well, in my opinion. But this is just like bone-dry acid bomb that cuts through your mouth and will cut through the fat of a bratwurst like, like a knife through butter. A hot knife through butter. So why do you think that Riesling grows better in the Finger Lakes than it does out here? Because I can only think of like three vineyards that have planted Riesling in Arizona. I don't have enough experience with growing the grape to know. I've never farmed it once. I've never seen it growing in person. I really haven't the foggiest idea, but there are grapes that like colder temperatures. There are grapes that like more humid environments like drier and warmer, there are some that thrive in colder and wetter. So I'm guessing this is probably one of them. But I really don't know. So. Yeah, yeah. It's getting more flavors also on the palate too, as it's kind of warming. The acidity is still there as backbone. But on top of that, you get the, the apple that we were talking about before. Um, but again, getting a little bit of that rose petal, a little bit of sort of like, not lychee, because that's more of a, uh, a Wirtschemeiner thing, mm -hmm. but there's like a honeydew melon or, or some other yellow citrus fruit. Maybe, maybe Meyer lemon? A really nice sweet lemon. I'm having a hard time picking up flavors today and I don't know why, but I want to curl the sides of my tongue up. Definitely acidity. Well, on that note, we should probably close off. Next episode is going to be California, finally, for those of you waiting. Uh, we're going to be reviewing a, a, a Cabernet from California, but with a twist. Just a little twist. Uh, so stay tuned next time. And in the meantime, let's make America grape again. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at make america grape podcast at gmail.com on instagram at, at the az wine monk or on twitter at cv burkett be sure to also check out our website make america grape again podcast.com i'm gary you can find me on instagram at greater than wines on facebook at facebook.com slash greater than wines and by email at greater than wines at gmail.com